Welcome to Retire Stronger, where we help you accumulate wealth, fuel your retirement, and leave a legacy behind for your family. So let's get started. Listen, y'all, I am so excited today. I am truly excited um, because I have a good friend of mine here today. But listen, I'm Deborah Ascott Black, principal partner of ISAA Retire Strong. Welcome to season two. And I got a friend of mine here today. We're going to talk about and we're going to have some real talk today about what happens when life suddenly hits you with something that you weren't expecting, sudden surprises. You know, we're going to talk about that. What happens when you get a health crisis, right? Do you think that this can happen to you? Are you going to be prepared if this happens to you? Are you hurt? What do you do when this happens? How do you recover and who should be in your in your power to help you? Who are you going to have around to help you? How would this affect your future plans when it comes down to retirement? Okay. And well, let's dig in. I want you to meet my good friend, Carmen Palmer with this. She was so kind to share her an amazing story about what she went through with this health crisis of hers. It was a miraculous story, ladies. And I want you to hear all about it. Well, I want to tell you about who she is, if you don't know her, because see, she's my friend. I want her to become one of yours. Common Palmer is the owner of a multi-million dollar producing full service real estate brokerage firm here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. She's been licensed as an ordained minister, would you know, of the gospel since 2003. In 2018, Carmen and her husband, Keith, they purchased a Remax franchise becoming the first Afro-American Remax franchise owners here in our triad area. She's a blogger and a marathon runner. Carmen believes in motivating people to move forward, pursue their dreams and all, and live the champion life, which is the abundant life in which God has established for his people. For the last two years, Carmen has been awarded the Executive Club Award by Remax Corporation for her sales volume. So let's meet Carmen. Carmen Palmer is the proud mom, though, of three beautiful children, Jalen, Sierra, and Carrington. Welcome, Carmen. Thank you, Devore. At first, I was going like, who is she talking about? Like, really? Oh, girl, you know it's all about you. <laughs> It's all about you. Thank you, Deborah, a.k.a. Oprah. I appreciate <laughs> you having me on your show today. Thank you. Well, I am so glad that you agreed to come today because my listeners, my audience and everybody, they like us to keep it real. It's always going to be about being transparent and telling us what happened, what's going on and how they, too, can do it. Our slogan is, are you her? And they want to make sure that they can do exactly what they've heard and how they're going to get to retirement financially free. We're going to talk about that today. And we want you to let's tell, tell us all about what really happened. Okay. Thank you again, Devorah, for having me on your show today. It's an honor and a privilege to share my story. So, you know, reluctantly, I was like, eh, I don't know if people really want to hear the ins and outs, but I'm going to spill the tea. So here is the real tea. In 2018, I was diagnosed with a meningioma on my right optic nerve. Now, when I was diagnosed, I was told that it would be a tricky surgery. I could either have surgery or I would have to have radiation treatment. So upon seeing a neurosurgeon 
and the radiation oncologist, they felt it was best that I have surgery. So I was like, okay, I'm going to put this surgery off as long as I can. Well, here is the deal. The doctor actually told, the neurosurgeon told me, if I don't have the surgery, I would lose sight in my in my right eye. I would legally become blind and the nerve would die because the tumor was shrinking it. Oh my goodness. Was it all of a sudden that this came up on you or was it gradually? It was, it was over a period of one year. So in 2017, I went to the optometrist because, you know, I'm a girly girl. I like wearing my makeup. And so I could, I was having trouble putting my eyeliner on. So I went to the optometrist twice. And the second time he said, Miss Palmer, you've told me the same story that you cannot get your eyeliner on straight. And I said, that's why I'm back again. So he said, we need to do further investigation. So when they did, that's when they found that it was a tumor. So I was being sent to um, neurologists, neurosurgeons. They were testing me for sarcoidosis, for um, MS, for all types of autoimmune deficiencies. But it was the tumor that was making my vision become blurry. And so with that being said, I opted to go ahead and have the surgery in July of 2019. The diagnosis began in 2018, but we had to we had to cancel out all the other different things first. So I had surgery July 2019, and while I was in surgery, the um, I suffered a stroke. What? A stroke. So here's what they tell you. You know, when you do your pre-op, because I had my friend with me doing my pre-op, and they tell you, you know, you don't have to worry about anything. The worst thing that could happen is death. I don't know why that's always the first thing they tell you. Right. I'm like, at this point, I'm walking out the room and my friend says, you know, you sit down. You're going to either have the surgery or you're going to be blind. Which which one do you want to take? And I was like, you know what? I'll be blind. Let's just deal with it. You know, because I was afraid of surgery. I've never had surgery before any major surgeries. And because it was in such a tricky part of my body, I knew that there could be some type of complications, but not what I had expected. Yeah. So the six-hour surgery ended up being seven hours. And on the seventh hour, the doctor came out and told my husband that I had suffered a stroke. The tumor was so big that it had wrapped on my optic nerve, my skull, and my carotid artery. Well, we oh. know medical sense, if it's on the left side of the carotid artery, that's what they call the widow maker. Well, luckily, mine was on the right side. So when he went to resect it off the carotid artery, the artery collapsed. And I had no blood flow. So that's how I suffered the stroke. Oh, yeah. So leading up to that, I had closings on my table for the day of my surgery. And I was still working because I'm a I'm a workaholic. I hate, you know, I hate to say it, but I am a workaholic. Yeah. Closings up on the table. I was in the um, pre-op, not pre-op, the um, right there before they call you in to go into surgery. I was in there still typing up an offer because I'm like, this is going to get done before they put me under general anesthesia. <laughs> so, so I had the surgery. My neurosurgeon came out and told my husband, hey, we've had we've hit some complications. She's had a she suffered a stroke. We don't know how much blood flow is getting to the other side of the brain. And at that point, I don't know how many minutes it was, um, but it was a, it was hour seven when he came out to tell my husband. That, and my husband had been requesting to have updates and no one would ever come up to give an update. So when he finally came out, he said, well, all we can do is make her comfortable. And so my husband was like, no, that's not what we've been praying for. We've been praying for miracles and restoration. He said, well, if, if she survives, then we don't know if she'll be able to function on the left side of her body. Well, hello, that's my left side. That's my left arm. So I'm able to function on my left side. And God good. All the time. 
what should have been a five day stay in the hospital end up being six weeks. Six Whoa. weeks. And during that six weeks, I had to close my business down, my multi million dollar producing business. I had to close it down because I am the broker in charge. And by me being the broker in charge, um, we could not conduct business on oh, sale. So we had to shut it down. My husband made a decision because he's my business partner, shut it down for those six weeks. So the closings that I had for that week made it because we didn't know I would be in the hospital until week the first after the first week. So the business was shut down and, you know, very traumatic, very traumatic because, you know, here it is. My husband is having to pull the weight of not only our home and our children, but now the business, you know, how do we manage with this with my wife being in the hospital? Because I know all the ins and outs of the business because he's not a licensed realtor. So he well, let's talk. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. So let's talk about going to the beginning of all this. How financially prepared were you before all this happened? You didn't see this really coming. Like I'm going to have a stroke. We just at the beginning realized we're going to the worst case can happen. I might go blind. Right. Well, as a realtor, maybe I can do my business blind to come and help me you know that's the worst case that might can happen so you're like in my mind i could go through the surgery then maybe i can get some help you know i think in your mind you're like that doesn't mean i'm gonna close my company right so you didn't go in there with the thought i'm about to lose my livelihood not at all Okay, that's pretty much your mindset in your head. You didn't think you were about to lose your financial life, Mm -mm. right? Not at all. Not at all. And I will tell you this. We were prepared for at least um, three months worth because as a realtor, I tell people, you know, you need to have three months worth of uh, money in your account in the in the event of an emergency. You know, when you're closing on a home, you need to have three months payments set aside. You know, so, you know, we were prepared that way. And then my worst case scenario was like, you know what, if I die, my husband's going to have a really nice life policy. But, you know, no one wants to talk about life insurance. So, yeah, I was not prepared, you know, more than three months. OK, so, so you, you had three months saved up. So you were wise enough to know that in case of an emergency, you and your family kind of thought about if we got an emergency and situation in our household, we had an emergency fund about three months saved up. We have a life insurance policy. So, you know, we kind of we kind of are responsible in our family. You know, if something happened, we have a business. Did you, you know, did you ever think about how much debt would be on the other versus the other? No. And that's the thing. So we had our our personal life set aside. But at the same time, when I had to close the business down for those six weeks, I still had to make payments, you know, for our um, where we're leasing our building. So, you know, that that in a sense, I wasn't smart enough because I didn't think that futuristic into it. I just thought, you know, after one week, I'm going to be back out and I will be out there showing homes and I'm going to have my closings like I had planned to. I didn't foresee, you know, okay, not only do I need to have money set aside for my home life, but I need to have it set aside for my my business life as well, personal and business, professional. Did you have have staff? Yes. And I had to pay my staff. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So all of that, all of a sudden became real. 
Yes. You and your husband, you have responsibilities that you had at the company because you were the boss. Right. And so luckily, you know, we did have money saved aside for to cover for our staff. Now, my staff, she, you know, I did have like one person that was here all the time, um, answer the telephones and just roll the lines over. But we still had to make sure that, you know, she was being paid to answer a telephone. Gotcha. Wow. So that's how it really affected your business. Oh, yeah. So unexpected health crisis can not only just affect you at um, at home. If you're a businesswoman or a businessman, it can affect your business. And that you have to keep that front protected as well financially. Right. So that was one of the things you realized at that time. Mm-hmm. And, and so thing- that that's a big deal. And so you didn't even know how long this was going to keep you out of work, huh? No, ma'am. And it was week two when I woke up in the hospital that I knew what was going on. Oh, my goodness. So oh, my goodness. for one week, I was still like in a semi-coma state, you know, so I couldn't, I didn't know what was going on. So when I woke up, I honestly didn't know everything that happened. My first thing I did was I wrote a note to the doctor and I said, did I have a seizure? And he said, after you had a stroke. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And then so it was layers on top of layers. So then after I had the seizure, so the seizure occurred during the um, surgery part as well after I had the stroke. So what they did was they administered medicine. Um, Another neurosurgeon came in and said, I think we can administer medicine this way. Now, keep in mind, prior to the surgery, I was running marathons. So I was in great condition. My body was in great condition. And that's what really helped me to recover. That helped me a great deal to recover. So um, they were having to give me medicine to um, keep my blood pressure raised because I had swelling on the brain. And the only way that they could um, keep the swelling going down, they didn't want the swelling to go down. They wanted to raise it. So I was administered medicines to keep the swelling of the brain minimal to a certain degree and all of the medicine, because my kidneys were in great condition, all the medicines they were giving me were flushing out of my system. So then I suffered pulmonary embolisms in both of my lungs. Oh my goodness. (laughs) One morning I woke up and it was middle morning and I thought, you know how you have these crazy dreams. I was like, why is it an elephant on my chest? And I just kept saying, it just hurts too much. And I kept, I remember grabbing at my chest and then finally I woke up and I said, I can't take this any longer. I rang the nurse bell and I said, I'm having chest pains. The the um, hospitalists and the nurses, they ran in there and he listened to me. He was like, oh my, you know, you can tell when you know something is wrong because yes. the doctor yes. gave me and yes. I was like, oh no, this can't be good. So he said, I'm going to order some tests. And he came back and he said, I hate to tell you this, but I think you have broken heart syndrome. And my response was, I didn't have anybody in my family that passed away. Well, guess what? I did. So day five of my being in the hospital, my stepfather passed away. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Multiple layers and multiple layers. So come to find out after they did a CT scan and all these other tests, it was the blood clots in my lungs that sparked from the surgery from my um, optic nerve. My goodness. So you went through it. So how long were you down uh, total? Six weeks in the hospital, but then coming out of the hospital, I didn't, I was discharged th- that September. 
Uh-huh. I came back to work. Again, I'm a workaholic. I came back to work two weeks after discharge. I came back in October. And okay. I've been full-fledged into my, our company ever since October 20. No, 2019. Yeah. I forgot. 2020 was the pandemic year. 2019 was the stroke year. So, yeah. <laughs> so, then when you, so when you came back, you came back to a pandemic. Oh, yes. But I learned something from the stroke. What did you learn? I learned to make sure that I have everything set aside. Um, go ahead. And, you know, I've always, my husband is always the one that makes all the payments. Um, so he had, it was a learning lesson for both of us. So he had to know where all the accounts were, where I kept, you know, money. not that I was hiding money, but where I kept money and, you know, different things like that. Um, but I learned to go ahead and pay when I get paid or when I have a great commission, go ahead and pay in advance you know, a couple of months worth of whether it's, you know, um, an electric bill or gas, whatever it is, go ahead and pay it up front and have an overage versus waiting until, you know, a bill comes in and then paying. Same mm-hmm. thing with the lease, with our lease. You know, I made an agreement. Hey, I'm going to pay up front, you know, three months and whatever. You just credit it to when my balance runs low or whatever. And then, and they did. So, it was a blessing in the sky, so to say. Uh-huh. So that kind of taught you a different way of how you're going to handle your finances. Yeah, you, feel handle like mm-hmm. you just felt like you felt very vulnerable at that time. And you said, oh, yeah. I don't like feeling like that anymore. And you so, said you can never predict things like that from happening, but you can predict how you handle your money. That's exactly you right. Control your money. That's exactly right. Now, listen. I am, it doesn't look like it today, but I am a shoe person and a purse purchase person. Okay. So therefore I was like, you know what? You do not need another Louis Vuitton bag. You don't need, you know, you just put your money aside and you pay whatever you need to pay, whether it's college tuition, whatever you take that money for that, you know, for, you know, normal clothing items, but I don't have to go out and splurge. And I was never that type, you know, when I first became into the business in 2006, that first commission check, I think I went hog wild in Walmart. But you know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. I mean, I Isn't was that how it is? And when you when you become your own boss and you start seeing your business really grow, mm-hmm. we make sometimes foolish money decisions sometimes. And then then we start realizing, uh oh, I gotta I gotta make this business sustain itself, huh? That's right. Okay. And then started talking yes. to other business owners that have been in um actually other Remax franchise owners that have been in it second generation and third generation. And I was talking to them about, you know, our copier, you know, I was like, you know, Hey, this is a copier one. And they were like, you know what, why do you need such a fancy thing? Cause we outsource a lot of different, you know, brochures and things like that. So, you know, I allowed myself to open up and hear other people talk about it. And so I took their advice, but I, you know, I went on and, and purchased one that I felt was great for our company. But as far as just like spending money foolishly, no, mm-mm, not at all. We didn't, yeah. we didn't even take, we were taking vacation twice a year. So when I had my stroke, we had only had one vacation. So for the second vacation, we, my husband and I just jumped on a plane and just went to Florida just for a weekend trip and nothing lavish like we're accustomed to. You know, we would go to Hawaii or, you know, I've been to Dubai, you know, so I would travel quite a bit. So I was like, you know what? I, that health crisis taught me, make sure that I have money set aside for a rainy day. 
I'm so glad to hear that. Because my question to you next was, what five things are you glad, number one, you had in place when the crisis hit you? That's one question I want my audience to hear from you directly. What five things are you glad that you did have in place when this crisis hit you? Number one would be an office policy manual. Okay. Why is that? Because so my admin or anyone else that came in, like from from corporate, if they came in and needed to know what my tax ID number was, my or I EIN, um, mm-hmm. then they knew where to find it. Even my husband. So now he knows, and he knows his title on that office policy manual. Number two was make sure that um, I don't take anything for granted, time or nothing, even vision. Uh huh. So was that something you glad you had in place when this crisis hit you? Um, no, because I learned that lesson the hard way because those six weeks in the hospital taught me, you know what, you, you're not promised the next second. So mm-hmm. I began to tell people, you know what, I love you. So from that, I, I went to I love you. Now, my office policy manual was already in place. My life insurance was already in place. Good. Business accounts were already in place. Okay. Um, and that's three. Number four would be, you know, I had already reached out to my mentors in mm-hmm. a ministry, but in the business, say, hey, I'm going to go through the surgery. I need you to, you know, handle these certain things. So having people in place, you know, to go to closings for me for that first week, because that was OK. That was allowed by the state, by the North Carolina Real Estate Commission. OK, that's um, very good. Mm-hmm. And then even, you know, coming down to we made a decision to purchase a vehicle prior to my surgery because of my eyesight. My husband wanted to make sure I had a vehicle that was good, that you know, had lane keep assist. So I'm glad that we listened and went ahead and purchased another vehicle prior to the surgery. Very good. Having so a, having those a warning signs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, knowing that there was a change in my body, you know. Mm-hmm. If you ever seen the Drew Carey show, his secretary wore that blue hideous eyeshadow. Mm-hmm. So that's what my my eyeshadow and eyeliner was looking like. I was looking a hot mess. And Ooh. my body, I'm being honest. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that was something to be seen, right? Oh, yes. yes. So the other question is, what did you wish you had or more of, or more of when you were hit with this crisis? What do you wish you had more of? when this crisis hit you that you did not have? I think at that time, I wish I would have had more agents in my office. So at that time, I was the only one carrying the office. So I had zero agents. Now I have six. And we're we're steadily building our our team. Okay. I wish I would have had more agents that could have taken over. Mm -hmm. Um, Not so much as a broken charge, but just to handle, you know, if there's showings or anything like that. Because I was having people, you know, to refer to. Yeah. Say, hey, you know, and my husband did a great job. He, They took my phones away from me. That was really great while I was in the hospital for the first two weeks. So what he did was he called my mentor and said, hey, we have people calling, asking for Carmen, and she's not going to be able to help them right now. Can you, you know, handle them? And so I had one of my mentors to close a loan for me to actually help get a, a client under contract. Like she took that client under her wing and said, Hey, you know what? I'm going to do this because Carmen is just like my own child and she's in the hospital and she can't help you right now. And that client did not want to go. She did not want to go at all. 
And my husband said, look, it's going to be a while before she gets out of the hospital. If you want a house, you need to go ahead on and sign an agreement with her. And one of the things that our our listeners can listen to in this case, if you're not a real estate agent, there are many other businesses out here. The other way you could have handled this situation would have been having disability insurance. That's a big missing thing that happened in your life that Mm -hmm. could have given you a sense of comfort that would have backed you up in this case. Because if you had a disability insurance policy that might have given you some kind of comfort to know that, listen, this would have been in place and this would have given you some kind of comfort that it would have been some money and to kept your business going while you could be at home taking care of yourself as well. Even though your business still needed to have some type of person in charge to keep the business alive in the type of business you're in. But if you have a good disability type of insurance, that would have been a good type of thing to have in place as well. Because thank God you, you know, you live to come back. Another opportunity would have been helpful for you would have been having a chronic illness rider on your life insurance policy because you could have taken cash from your policy right away that could have helped you with some of the cash flow to take care of not worrying about making sure you kept all your people in place or getting some help from maybe other Remax people or whatever to make sure you didn't miss a beat. That's another opportunity that maybe could have helped. So I will brag a little bit about Remax as a whole, the corporation. When my vice president found out that I was in the hospital, they went in and said, you know what? Because we pay for our franchise fee up front, but then we are charged certain other fees per month. They went in and waived all of those fees and coded it as medical reasons and did like a a leave of absence. That's good. That was so you had some people to help you and that village helped keep things going so your business would not fail. And that's wonderful. And what was your biggest fear of them all? Was it that was it your business? No, my biggest fear was that I was going to die and leave my family. I hate. I mean, that's just being real. Yes. I'm okay. not see them, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. I can imagine that. How are you doing right now? Health wise? I am great. So awesome. I'm back working in the gym twice, twice with a trainer, twice a week with a trainer, three days on my own. And I'm gearing up to run my next 5K in the fall. So I'm doing much better. The tumor is no longer there. And it was a grade zero tumor, which means that it would take 20 years for it to grow if it decided it wanted to come back. But I believe wholeheartedly that I am healed. Um, I went through five rounds of radiation Mm -hmm. to the tumor. And so based on that report, I am doing very well. So that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And at the last question I want to ask, what did you learn about yourself as a woman that you didn't either know or you didn't even appreciate before all of this happened? That I am resilient, that I had this 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 innate ability to draw people to me that I didn't see before. You know, my husband would always joke and say, you don't have friends on Facebook. You have disciples. And I'm like, no, I have friends, you know. But people would literally walk into my room and they would say, this room just feels not heavy as in a burden, but just we can feel the presence of God here. You know, they would say, can you pray for me? And, you know, that was fine. I, I was happy to pray for somebody because people were literally from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. praying on my behalf while I was in the hospital. I had somebody to come in every morning at six o'clock and they would anoint the door. 
Um, I prayed with nurses while I was there. So I had this, this magnet that I didn't always see because I've always been an extrovert, but I just chalk it up as that's who I am. But I had no idea that God in me would draw people to me, if that makes sense. So I had to ask me, she said, well, Carmen, how do you know God is real? And then how do you know that you're hearing from God? And then she had a question about the Holy Spirit. I had two nurses, one black and one white, to ask me those questions. And I was allowed to pray for them both, you know, so that was a story for. That's a beautiful story. Well, some of the things I'm going to wrap it up and sum it up from what I've heard from you. And this is what I think our audience probably can take away from what I've learned from you. The thing that I learned from you is that you did have at least an emergency fund of three months when you went through this. And before all of this happened, you were a businesswoman from the very beginning and you wanted to make sure that you took care of the people who took care of you. And that's a wonderful thing by being a businesswoman. And I love that about you. And um, the other thing is your yeah, biggest fear was if I died, how is my family going to be taken care of? Because you have three precious children and a wonderful husband. And that's a big concern about most of all of us. We want to make sure that we leave a legacy behind for our family. We want to take care of our children. You have kids who still are yet gone to college. I know that was bothering you. And I, I think that that was on your mind. You're like, listen, you know, if God's going to take me now, I want to make sure that everybody's taken care of. And that was some of the things I think I heard you talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, So another thing is that you wanted to make sure you were proud of the idea that you did have life insurance. That was important to you as well. Um, You recognized that you still felt vulnerable, that some things was, there were some gaps there that you just didn't have covered. And when you came back, you said, when I get back, I want to make sure that I have paid up things so that I could be always ahead because you cannot guarantee things won't happen again. And so I think the audience should realize, you know, you want to make sure that you keep yourself ahead of the game so mm-hmm. that if things happen to um, happen in your life, you don't get caught behind the game. You want to at least be a little ahead so that you don't put your family as much in a crisis as much as you have to. Correct. And that mattered to you. You're like, I just want to be a little bit ahead. So if this happens again in my life that I don't put us as, you know, so far behind or in a situation. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that matters to you, too. So that's why you're saying I'm going to make sure my my mortgage at my office is paid or whatever, or my, my mortgage at the house and my bills are paid a little bit ahead of time so that I won't feel a little bit vulnerable when it comes down to my money and my expenses, my finances. That matters to me. Right. And so you think about how you spend your money now. You don't sit out here splurge as much because mm-hmm. those things are just not as important to you as They're they temporary. used to be. Yeah, your family is more important. Your time with your people are more important today. Thank you so much for coming to Retire Strong Her today. I want to ask you to let my fans and people out here know how we're going to contact you again and get to know where we can see and learn more about you. Sure. And again, Devorah, thank you for having me on your show. I can be found on social media on Twitter and on Instagram as Carmen D. Palmer. That's D as in David. And on Facebook, it's Carmen Palmer. And then my business Facebook page is Remax Master Key. My telephone number is 336-575-5678. 
So Carmen, I really appreciate you taking the time to come to us today and spend your time and being so honest about your story. You know, a lot of times we don't like to talk about how we spend our money, sharing our business life with us and definitely sharing our health stories with other people that we just don't see or know out here in this land of, you know, social media and everything. But you have been wonderful and kind, and I'm, I'm sure it's going to help somebody out here with this story, and it will be a blessing to someone, I'm sure. Before I end the, story, um, the, end the show today, I'm going to leave you with Devorah's ultimate rainmaker tip of the week that I don't want you to forget. Preparation for the unexpected is very important to find, um, and very important in our financial process and planning. The way you can help do this in your life is four ways. Have an emergency savings account. Number two, live healthy. Number three, keep your debt at the most, at the lowest you can keep it in your life. And number four, always keep one bucket of your investments in a liquid state at all times so you can access it when you need it. And it should never be your emergency savings plan. That's your tip for the day. That's what I want to leave you with. Next week, I'll see you when we're going to talk about divorce how it affects women and their financial freedom and their retirement goals. You'll be surprised at the things I'm going to talk about next week and sharing with you this in us in our episode. Until then, you have an awesome week. I'll see you next week on Retire Strong Her. 